Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. So you know when you get those moments where you're like, is it Jesus, is it God, or is it the enemy? You know, those moments. Like, well, first of all, the ink isn't working in the printer. So I'm going to talk to all the people that use the printer and don't tell me that the ink has run out. You're in trouble. Okay. My wife is like, that's me. Okay, so... um, but yeah, then that didn't work. So I was like, great. Okay, God, is this a you thing or is this an enemy thing? So we're going to just go with that. It's the enemy, all right? And then if it is God, then we'll find out quite quick. Okay. Today's message, I think, um, did any, was anyone here for the message back in July, last month, uh, called Intentional? Yeah? Okay. Right. I, this could be almost part two to that message. Um, not deliberately, but just those two could be put together. Or I believe these two could be put together. Um, and work well together if you've listened to that one and or if you haven't and maybe you can listen to them together I believe if we can understand today through the word of God so we're going to look through the word of God but also just understanding a little bit of our biological makeup of our brains um, that we could actually learn how to repel the works of the enemy the temptations that come our way and that we can become more intentional in how uh, we do that when we have this knowledge. Jesus is ringing. <laughs> Jesus is calling. Did you say that? <laughs> the message title today is called, Why Am I High But Feeling So Low? Now, I don't know if this relates to anybody, even though it's just that title. But it relates to me. And this message has come from me spending some time with God. And I believe that actually there is a generation as well that needs to hear this message. Like as in the current generation really needs to hear this message. And the older generation needs to understand this message. We're going to look at the Bible and why some of the greatest people used by God fell into temptation. How some of the people who saw some of the greatest miracles grumbled and complained to God. How some who were involved in fighting great battles and winning in one moment were then crying and sat in a cave in the next asking to die. How can this happen? How can that happen? I mean, we relate, yeah, because we can be like, well, I'm, that's me, I do that. But how is that possible? How is it that as believers in God, that one minute we could be seeing amazing things happen and in the next moment sitting in a cave thinking, why am I even bothering? Why am I even here? I really believe God wants to lift condemnation off of people today because if you're anything like me when you start struggling in these ways of thinking you start thinking am I saved like am I am I even a Christian have I done something to upset God am I failing right now what, what what's happened to me like is there something I've done and I really believe that that, that there's none of those things but that's how we feel isn't it is that right? You, I'm going to need your feedback because otherwise I'm going to feel very lonely up here, okay? Because I'm going to be like, isn't that right? And everyone's going to be like, no, not me. And I'll be like, I'm just going to go spend some time with the Lord for a couple of months. Um, so yeah, like just that realization, how can we be in some moments like this, incredible moments with God, and then suddenly be in some strange places where you think, how have I even got here? And they can be really close together as well. 
You know, not like, oh, I had a really amazing year with the Lord and then started to slide away. It could be like you could have an incredible moment with God on a Sunday and be like by Sunday night in the weirdest place. Does anyone relate to that? Yeah? Okay, cool. I feel like I've got some people inside. All right, okay. So if you've got a Bible, go to Exodus chapter 16. I'm just going to look at some scriptures. I feel God was just showing me some characters in the Bible and just showing me that actually, okay, first of all, we're in good company. Okay, so we're going to look at that. Exodus 16, it said, And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And the 15th day of the Lord of the month, they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we would have died in the hand of the Lord of, um, of, of Egypt, that we sat in, with pots of meat, and we had bread, and we could fill ourselves. For you have brought us out of the wilderness to kill us this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Skip to verse 9. And Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Can you imagine God being that gracious? <laughs> like... Being in that place of like, I've heard your complaints. If it was me, I'd be like, stuff your complaints. Yeah? But God, God, who is God of the universe, he's like, I've heard your complaints. It's like, whoa, this is incredible. How gracious is God? Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked, um, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel speaking to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall fill with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the lay of dew lifted, there was a surface in the wilderness that was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons that every man take for those who are in his tent. Now to skip to uh, chapter 17. It says, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped um, in Rephidim, um, but there was no water of the people for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, "Give us water that we may drink." So Moses said to them, "Why are you contending with me? Why do you tempt the Lord?" And the people thirst there for water, and the, and the people complained against Moses and said, "Why is it you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst?" So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And just so you know, if you're a younger generation, stoning back then meant something very different. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, take in your hand your rod with, your stitch and with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Herod, and you shall strike the rock with water, and it will come out that the people may drink. 
And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So among many miracles that the Israelites experienced to this point, the big one many talk about is the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, John was praying about it earlier. Now, this was no weather phenomenon, okay? Yeah, like, don't get caught up in the mindset that suddenly, like, just something that is kind of can naturally just happen, happen. This was an act of God, okay? We know this because it says in Scripture that when they were walking through, there was a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other, okay? So it's not like, oh, the wind just blew it away and it made it. It was a supernatural event, okay? God did something so incredible that not only did he making a way through the water, yeah, set them free, yeah, get them out of the land that they were in, where they were bound, into a land where they could experience and get to eventually the promise of God, but also through the same miracle, God defeated the enemy that was trying to destroy them. That they themselves had cried out to God and said, rescue us God are you even there do you hear us God heard the cries we heard this last week sent Moses okay so they experienced this is just one miracle but don't forget they experienced all the the plagues and 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 the pillar of fire pillar of cloud they saw incredible things things that we are probably never going to witness in our lifetime they saw incredible things happen okay and yet they get to the other side and they start grumbling and they start complaining. And, and then it says right at the end of that bit I just read, it says, is, they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Isn't that actually the, one of the most craziest statements, if you really think about it, that anyone could make? Because we're reading it going, okay, so he, he sent somebody because you cried, so he sent somebody. That was a miracle in itself. Someone that didn't even want to speak. He sent them to Pharaoh to get you set free. That's the first thing he does, eh? That's a miracle. Then, through that man, through Aaron, they start to see all the plagues of Egypt start working on Pharaoh to the point that eventually Pharaoh lets the people go. And they're not just small plagues. They're a big deal, okay? Miracles are happening. Amazing miracles that the Egyptians were impacted by and the Israelites were not. Then they escape. They, they get, well, they get let go, actually. Then they get pursued. Then they get to the Red Sea. God protects them. And then he parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. They're no longer in the land that they were trying to escape from. And in that same miracle, God defeats the enemy. And they say, is the Lord among us or not now it's crazy to think whoa these people were crazy strange weird people until you realize that we do the same thing yeah we do we do because we get into a place where sometimes we're like oh god is faithful god is good god does great things so we praise his name because he's doing it yeah and then we hit a wall we come to a sea we get a diagnosis, 
the person that you're trying to see get saved just is really, really difficult, or your, your, your work colleague, or, or your, work, your situation in work is just not shifting, and you're just struggling with that. And when you hit those walls, suddenly you're going, well, is God even there now? Is he, is he, is he, even, is he with us? And I don't think I'm the only one that thinks like that. So when we get into that place and we look at these people and we think, and it's not that I don't believe that God's there at all, it's just we get into these weird moments. Do we not? Or just me? Yeah, yeah, all of us? Okay, good. Right. I just feel like I might get stoned at some point. So I was like, get that guy out. They have the cheek to say, is the Lord with us until we realize, well, we do that. So why does that happen? Why is that happening? Okay, so I was struggling in my own walk. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But I was just struggling because of what God was doing, great things going on. But somehow still falling into a place of feeling very low at times, okay? I'm thinking, God, like, I know you're Lord. I know you're there. Like, but why am I feeling like this? Why is this happening? Why am I struggling? Why then? Because... Does anyone ever get kind of in a low moment, but then that low moment can then lead you to get like lazy, lethargic? Yeah, so then you're even in like, you sat there with spray cream and marshmallows and going, just don't know what the... And you're on the 17th episode or something you've just watched, started watching that day. Okay, I'm glad that everyone's not saying it, but I can tell that you are saying it, so it's good. So I was in this place, and I, and I just was struggling with it. And I was like, God, I want to be able to conquer this. I want to be able to conquer this. I know this is something that you can do, and I know that I don't need to be in this place, even though we're going to get in these places. And, and if I do get into this place, I want to get out of it as quickly as possible. So, but but what, what is it, God? Because it just seems like, does anyone, is anyone ever in worship? I'm going a bit personal, so we could be here for hours, me chatting about stuff, but... <laughs> Has anyone ever been in worship and you see a song and you like and you start promising God, yeah? Oh Lord, I'm gonna, we're going, let's go, yeah. And then you're like, and you mean it, like you're not there going, and it's not the emotion of the song or anything like that. You're just in those moments, like I'm in. I'll give you everything. I mean it, God. And then by Sunday night, the same day, you're just in a moment where you're just like, God, I don't understand. I really meant that. Why does it feel like I don't mean it now? Why does it feel like I'm drifting into something else? Or my mindset isn't really locked onto what you want. It's locked onto kind of what my flesh wants or whatever, whatever it might be. So I was like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to understand this. Is there something? Anyway, came across this thing, um, just talking a bit about how our brains are fueled. And there's probably a lot more to this. I am no doctor, okay? Maybe one day I'll get somebody that's a little bit more... uh, uh, professional, and they can talk about it, and then they'll probably say that whole sermon he said was a load of rubbish. Okay, and we'll go from there. Okay, but I'm going to try as little as possible to contribute to this. This is just going to be stuff that I'm going to I'm just going to quote to you. Um, but basically, came across this um, understand about how our brains are made up, and they're made up of a neurochemical called dopamine. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Now. We're going to look at, through the Bible, just a couple more characters showing about how they could switch so quickly and so easily. If we can understand, I'm just going to make sure I'm reading this stuff. 
otherwise I'm going to get wrong. If we can actually understand that what goes on up here is part of our creation, God, yeah? So it's not something that we're like, oh, there's something wrong with you. It's part of who you are. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about when there can be extreme sides of either one, um, briefly. But if we can understand that this is part of our makeup, yeah? What goes on in here is part of our makeup, part of how creation is, and things like that, how God has made us. I'm part of it, then, then we then need to work with it with God. So here you go. Here's some uh, stuff off of the internet. Dopamine is a type of neurotransmitter. Your body makes it, and your nervous system uses it to send messages between nerve cells. That's why it's sometimes called a chemical messenger. Dopamine plays a role in how we feel pleasure. It is a big part of our unique human ability to think and plan. It helps us strive, focus, and find things interesting. Your body spreads it along four major pathways in the brain. Like most other systems in the body, you don't notice it, or you might not even know about it, until there is a problem. Too much or too little of it can lead to a vast range of health issues. Some are serious, like Parkinson's disease. Others are less so. The role of it in mental health. It's hard to pinpoint a single cause of mental health disorders and challenges but they're often linked to too much or too little dopamine in different parts of the brain. Drug misuse and addiction. Drugs such as cocaine can cause a big, fast increase in dopamine in your brain. That satisfies your natural reward system in a big way, but repeated drug use also raises a threshold for this kind of pleasure. This means you need to take more to get the same high. Meanwhile, drugs make your body less able to produce dopamine naturally. This leads to emotional lows when you're sober. Is that starting to ring any bells with anyone? So dopamine is a neurochemical we all have that feeds the brain. Now this would be interesting for anyone who's struggling with diet, be it sugar, yeah? It's in there as well, just alongside drug use, social media, sex. The reason our brain is the same, it produces the feel-good neurochemical called dopamine, which brings on feelings of pleasure and motivation. A dopamine hit brings about pleasure, and then is quickly followed by pain or a come down in order to keep us motivated. Now this is an atheist writing this. This doctor says, balancing a seesaw of pleasure and pain made sense in the time of the early humans, yeah? Um, when we had to constantly search for our basic needs, like food, water, shelter. It doesn't um, last very long, and it's followed by pain, so immediately we're searching again. But in modern life, this is the bit we need to get hold of. To, we all need to learn this and understand this, particularly about today's generation. In modern life, we live in a world of abundance rather than scarcity. So... What this needed, yeah, back in, not even that long ago, 50, 60 years ago, was a lot harder for us to get the super highs. Yeah, you'd have to go to some strange dark places to maybe go completely into some dark, dark places. But now, there's too much access to everything. The doctor says, balancing this seesaw pain made sense at the time in early humans. I've read that already. Doesn't matter. But in modern life, we live in a world of abundance rather than scarcity. The doctor says our brains weren't even evolved, so you know that they're not Christian, okay? 
So this is why I'm not, not trying to find some Christian person who's trying to make a sense of this. It's just looking at what is going on. For the fire hose of dopamine. We were not designed for it. For, su- for sugar, social media, TV, sex, for drugs, or any number of dopamine-triggered stimuli, it's easily available. In short, the doctor says, almost every behavior has become drugified. When we are repeatedly exposed to our pleasure-producing stimuli, our brain adjusts, and eventually we need more and more just to feel normal. How crazy is that? So why, what's going on with this generation? Well, there's access to everything. Access to everything. So the reality of it is, is that pleasure that things give us, that excitement that comes with seeking that pleasure, is now more and more accessible. But once you access it, you experience that pleasure, then you want more. But you can get it now. You can access it more. You can get to it quickly. As opposed to back in the day, you might get these moments, because our bodies are designed to have these high moments, it's okay. But then it was a lot harder then to go and find it again. Now, you can just keep staying in that place of self-pleasure, because it's all there for us. This last little bit, that's called a dopamine. So... um, we need to feel just feel normal. So we need more to just feel normal or not in pain. That's called a dopamine deficit state. And the cycle that leads us there can actually lead to depression. These words are the words that are used in our generation today. Depression, anxiety, irritability, and insomnia. So why are those things existing today more than they ever have? It's not that they haven't, haven't existed in moments in the past in people's lives. I'm sure there'll be people here that say, well, I've had some of those things. But the truth of it is, why is it hit all of this generation? Why is it that we hear so many people saying, I'm struggling with insomnia now? Because they fuel this so much, so much, that is so alive, but that when they can't feel it, they can't come down from it. And when they do come down from it, when, it's a, when they can't fulfill it, when they can't, then we fall hard into places of anxiety, depression, and suicide. That's why there's high suicide rate today. That's all I'm going to talk about. You can go away and look all that up for yourself, okay? That's all I'm going to say about dopamine. I want to talk about Jesus, okay? But I want to just get you to understand that it's not to be condemned, because I think the church can condemn you too. I'll just get over it. What's your problem? Well, hang on a minute. If this is something that's actually in my body that God has created, then we've got to work out how to work that. Because actually there's something here that causes me to want to seek pleasure because God put it there. So it's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing when we're doing it extensively and obviously in using things to stimulate that in all the wrong places, which is pretty much a lot of things out there now. Like I said, I've been struggling. I've been struggling in these moments. Like, God, why am I like this? I know I love you. I can see what you're doing. There's great things happening on, happening around, and there's salvations. All these amazing and incredible things are going on. Why is it that sometimes I can fall into these places? Why is that happening? I'm not even that type of person. And um, like I said, this sort of came along. So I was like, okay, well, what do I do about that then? 
Why is it that we want to honor God and give him everything? Because there's more, isn't there? Isn't there more? Like we just know that God's done a work in us, yeah? And we're excited, but we know there's more, yeah? We know there's more. I want to give him everything. I know there's more to come. I know God wants to do more. But why is it that we can still fall into places of lethargy, laziness, struggles, battles? Why is it that we can have an experience with the Holy Spirit on a gathering or or in a meeting or whatever and then just crash? Why are those things happening? Because that's going to continue happening. You know that. God's not going to stop moving in your life. You're not going to stop having encounters with the Holy Spirit. We're going to get moments, I keep saying this, where we're going to see moments where we're going to see incredible miracles of healing and that's going to fuel this. We're going to be like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But if we don't learn how to control that, then we're going to crash hard straight after. You, we're going to see people flood. This is, my vi- this is what I believe, the God's vision for this place. We're going to see floods of people being baptized, being saved, people queuing up to get in. We're going to get here. The stewards are going to get here at some point to open the doors, and there's already going to be people waiting to get in. That can still fuel stuff in the wrong way if we let it become our drug. So I'm not talking about all the other stuff as well. That's the, for some people, you're going to need to hear this because that's some of the lifestyle that a lot of people here have come out of and you're going to need to know not to feel condemned about feeling like, um, is, God, is God even there now? Does he love me? Have I made a mistake? It's like, no, but you do need to train this. Something needs to change here because what you've been doing with it is polluting it and destroying it and feeding it. So I believe that God's already doing great things. Are we all in agreement with that? Yeah? But I believe God's going to do more and more and more. And that's not us, shouldn't be us, seeking the more and more and more. We should just be seeking Jesus. Yeah? And we've got to learn this. I've got to learn this. Because actually we can get so caught up in what God's doing and, and the things that are happening around us that are God, of God, yeah? Amazing things happening that we still need to make sure of who we know. It's not, what was it, Laura? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah? It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. But I believe this is going to set some Christians free today, whether you're 80 years old or you've just come to the Lord, that you can start feeling, whoa, I get it. I started seeking after stuff that would fuel this instead of seeking after him. And for those that have been coming out of the world, which we're all kind of coming out of the world still, aren't we? If you, you know, there's still stuff that we've got baggage and stuff that comes with us. But if we're coming out of the world, then we had a lot of influence of the world and the way the world thinks and the way the world does things that we've actually got to adjust a lot of things in our lives to align them with the way that he thinks. Even in some cases, getting rid of stuff that the world does, that everyone's does. Not just, I'm not talking about like dark, dark things. I'm just talking about stuff that can lead to dark things. If you don't know how to handle it. So, one of the battles I personally take on is not wanting to fail God. In this. See, to me, like this is, he is my life. And for me, I wanna, the thing that God's put in my heart to do, I wanna do it well. And I wanna die having done it 
to my last breath, not having been somebody that was one of those preachers or leaders or ministers that was like on the scrap heap of failure because somewhere down the line, he fell. I'm really conscious of that, particularly in the world we're in right now, because if we're seeing a, there's a lot of very renowned uh, Christian people, uh, leaders that have done amazing things, reached many people, but somehow now, you know, their reputations are torn apart and they're in a scrap heap. Some of them died and things came out afterwards. I'm really conscious of that because I really believe in what God is doing here. But I also read the word and I understand as much as this isn't a one person gig, one person can destroy the whole thing. Because that's facts. That's not me saying it. It's just facts. So I'm really conscious of my responsibility in this. Why I seek God. Why sometimes you might see changes and think, why are they changing? Well, that's because I'm seeking God every day about what God wants to do here. So I'm really conscious of how when I read the word and when I look at the media and things that are going on, God... What is going on here? I want to make sure that I'm in alignment with you and that anything the enemy can come and throw at me, I've learned what that looks like and how to handle it, how to deal with it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that I'm like going to just bounce things off of me, but I'm going to have to fight through it. And it's not just about me. This is the same for all of us. Because Satan ain't going to give up on you either. So this... This message today, for me, was like a, a realization because you guys, a lot of guys that are under 40, let's say, that have had like 20 odd years, I guess, of a different type of world to the one I grew up in and the one that the generation before me grew up in, are coming in and wrestling with a lot of things that I don't wrestle with. I don't use terms mental health. I've read, out, read it out, but I don't use it because I didn't grow up in it. I don't use anxiety and depression on the levels that other people use today. It's used so fiercely and so big, but actually I get it. Because if you read what's actually going on is the chemical makeup of what God created us to be was that we were meant to have like low levels of excitement and then pursue it again and pursue it again in moderation rather than have it continuously dripping in. And you can access that stuff now. Our kids can access that stuff now. I was thinking about my, Clara back, probably back me up in this, but I think I'm an addict by nature. I'm not saying hi, I'm rich, I'm an addict. Um, but what I'm saying is like within my nature, like I've, I've, I like to collect things or I, I get like caught up into a project and then I'm like, and I know that seven years ago, I dealt with a lot of that. Like I really got, I let a lot of it go. But that nature is still going to be there that I have to kind of battle with and wrestle with. Because if the enemy kind of gets enough of his grip in you, you can start falling into that trap again. Then I'm going to have to be crazy. I just used to collect DVDs or something like that. But it can become an addiction. Amen, Clara said. <laughs> and I guess like the other side of it then is like when, when God is doing what he's doing now, I mean, we're in the middle of August. We all got sunburn at Weymouth. A lot of the people at Weymouth are here today, which is amazing. Praise God for all of you. 
Okay, because usually what happens is we do a trip on a Saturday. Has anyone ever done this? Or you do a ladies' day on a Saturday, or you do a men's camping trip. People don't think this, like, I'm just going to skip Jesus on Sunday. Yeah? But people are here today. Um, or, or, like, it's meant to be, like, the root of the middle of the holidays right now. Look how many people are here. This is a miracle to me. I mean, I see so many small things. I'm like, you might think, like, well, you're weird. But to me, I'm like, this is a miracle. Look how many people are here in the middle of the holidays just wanting to worship God, wanting to learn, wanting to sit and listen to this dude. And that's a miracle to me. So these moments are incredible to me. Incredible. But I have to make sure, like I said, maybe by my nature, that this doesn't become my addiction. And it doesn't become your addiction either. So even the good stuff, it's not all just about drugs and sex and other things. It can just be the other stuff where we've got to make sure that we're minding this correctly so that we can make sure that we can continue doing what God wants us to do so that our really our last breath is to Jesus. The good thing about the Bible, yeah, if you read it properly, if you've ever been in church or churches, maybe this one, but maybe other ones, where people have talked about the elitism of the people of God in a, in a sense of the people that God chooses are like the, 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 uh, the best of the best of the best of the best, yeah? And you're there going like, man, I'm the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. How am I ever going to be used by God? Well, that's just a rubbish lie. It's absolute pit of hell lie. And I've seen it. I've seen people talk about, be more, I've actually seen people stand on a stage and say, instead of say, be more like Jesus, say, be more like this worship leader. I'm like, they're a woman for starters. What do we need to do with that? Yeah? <laughs> but the reality of it is, it's like, what, what does that, that doesn't make sense. Be more like this person. That's not what the word of God says. And then what happens is I read the word for myself eventually. I was in church, I was listening, and I was learning and feeling really rubbish about myself because I felt like, man, I could never achieve the standards that these people are setting for me. And I think that's God because it must be God because these guys are talking on behalf of God. So it must be God's opinion that I can't achieve those things because he doesn't really care about us or people like me. And then I actually read the Bible for myself. And I just thought, God... You used Moses, which we learned last week, yeah? And I'm thankful for those people in the Word of God, but I'm thankful for the reality of what the Word of God actually says compared to what man wants it to say. Because God takes the misfits. He takes the drug, ex-drug addicts, yeah? He's going to take the ex-alcoholics. He's, he's going to take those people and he's going to raise them up to do great things for God. That's what I believe. I really believe it. I, I don't think that those people believe it themselves, about themselves. But, they, but if you started to really understand what God can do through you, where you started, where you came from, which has a lot to do with last week's message, do you know that? Read the word, understand who God has used, and understand I qualify. I qualify. So for me, even though I'm working through stuff with God, hopefully everyone's working through stuff with God, and you're not sat there in self-righteousness, thinking you've got it all together, Yeah. 
Yeah, you okay, good, right? So we're all working, we're seeking God, Lord, am I in the right place with you? Am I, why am I feeling like this? I need to work that out. This must be a thing we need to work through. So hopefully you're doing things like I am doing. I am thankful that when I actually pick up the word and I read it, I don't feel rubbish about myself. I read it and think, God, you use these people so you can use me. 2 Samuel verse 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the king kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David remained at Jerusalem then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed walked on the roof of his king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold so David sent and inquired about the um, the woman and someone said uh, is it not Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Ur the Hittite And then David sent messengers, took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed of her impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and and told David and said, I'm with child. It sounds like EastEnders, yeah? Um, So David, yeah? What is David really known for? A man? A man after God's own heart. It's, it's literally sticks to him. That's his, that's his understanding. I mean, praise God for that. Because he did some other things, yeah? Just read. You know, the one that went off with the woman, yeah? He's known as a man after God's own heart. Praise God that he's known about that. But a man after God's own heart, yeah? A man after God's own heart. What else did David do? He defeated Goliath with some stones, some pebbles, Yeah? He defied, nobody, no, nobody that was actually built to take on the giant wanted to fight the giant. But a skinny shepherd boy came with his stones and sling and said, my God's bigger than his God. He's going to deal with this, yeah? He had that kind of faith, yeah? And he, and he also defeated things like lions and bears, yeah? Just to throw it in there, like, oh yeah, I'd fight lions and bears for a living so I can take this guy. This is the guy, this is David. Now, I want to I just explain to you how incredible David's faith is, okay? Right. I think I've got faith, yeah? I think I've got quite big faith. I feel like if, if I believe that God can do it, I believe that God can do it, right? I believe that once this was an empty building, I believe God could fill it, yeah? I have faith. I believe that once that we would see trickles of baptisms, but I believe that God could do it. We've seen it. I think I've got faith. But you take me to a zoo and you open the lion cage and you say, Rich, you walk in there and trust the Lord with all your faith and all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm going to get eaten. (laughs) This is how much faith David had. He would face lion and bear. If I was looking after sheep, if you run a farm and you're thinking I might get rich in, I'm going to let you know, don't. Okay, because if I was looking after sheep and a bear and a lion turned up, I'd be like, brilliant. They're distracted because they're eating the sheep. I can run. Yeah, I'm not saving the sheep. You know, I'm running from the lion and the bear because the lion and the bear is going to eat me. But he wrestled lion and bear. He took it on. Why? Because he had faith that God was going to bring him through it. So no matter how much faith we think we have, David had some kind of faith, yeah? He had a faith to take on someone that was double his size and, 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 and powerful and intimidating and just walk up to him and throw a stone at his head. 
That's the kind of faith David had. Let's go back to what I was saying about your brain then. How can a man who is known to be a man after God's own heart, that has incredible faith, slip up? How is that possible? Are you feeling less condemned now? I hope you are. It's not to say go and do what you like. It's just the realization that temptation and following through has nothing to do, has nothing to do with your faith. Oh, I can't even be a Christian now. I can't, my faith must be... No. We have to bat and fight, bat away and fight and wrestle with temptation and the things that are around us. And sometimes, sadly, we're going to give in. It has nothing to do with your faith. Because it had something to do with your faith. David should have been able to be like, nice body, and walk away. Not go and find out, get information and other things. Do you understand this about you? Do you understand this? Look at David. So if there's a chemical, this is the other thing about David. David fought battles after battles after battles after battles, yeah? This was what David did. David was already married, do you know that? Do you want to know what he had to do to have his wife? He had to get a hundred foreskins of the enemy. So that the king, that was king at the time, would basically say, right, it was a trap, but David, David was able to fight everyone, so he was able to win. So basically he said, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to take my future father-in-law just 100 foreskins. I'm going to take 200 foreskins. I wouldn't want to be the soldier working that day, you know? <laughs> and I don't even really know what you do with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you, put it in the, do you put it in a cabinet or something? I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> and, and, and how does that make the wife feel like the future wife like oh yeah look I'm totally loved look at that <laughs> kids let me show you how much your father loved me <laughs> it's a bit of a weird world back then but what I'm saying is David had already gone to battle he had fought and fought and fought and he had done incredible things and seen incredible things and won so many battles but when he didn't fight he stayed home when he wasn't doing the thing that he thought made him a man, maybe, fed the, the highs that goes up in our heads, yeah? When he was in the moment where he was just hanging out in the palace and he didn't have all the excitement, all the stuff that could fuel this thing that we need, he had to find something else. You're starting to understand why it is, why you leave church on a Sunday and you didn't start wanting to look at things you shouldn't look at afterwards on the internet? Because you're in the high moment with the Lord. You're experiencing things. Maybe you go on a camp out with the men or beach with the church and you just love those moments. And then you're home alone, just like David. What's going on up here? You're looking for the high. And if the high is that I need to be in all these things all the time and you don't get those moments because that's the reality, isn't it? Isn't the reality that we're not going to be fighting battles, chopping off foreskins every week, yeah? Hopefully none of you are doing that. But, but we're not going to be able to be here all the time or be at certain things all the time. And it doesn't have to just be church stuff or Jesus stuff or Holy Spirit stuff. It can just be stuff that you like doing that isn't against God but just fuels something for you. Well, the reality is, is that we're actually sat in the palace a lot more 
than we're actually on the mountaintop or on the battlefield. We're actually in those moments a lot more, but this is the issue. We are in a world now where you can access everything to fuel here, stimulate here. So when you get those moments, instead of just being like, it's a down day in the palace, something has to, you have to seek it out. You have to find more. But we unfortunately have the access to find it now. That doctor said the dopamine levels said that this generation and their minds was never meant to access those levels ever. Does that explain a little bit more about why we are dealing with words like depression, anxiety, and suicide? I think it does. Because we were never meant to have access. This generation has access to things. I mean, let's just put this in perspective. If you wanted to look at pornography, you would have to go into a shop and buy a magazine off the top shelf or steal your dad's or your uncle's or whatever. So someone told me. Okay. But that, can you imagine that? That's, that's, that's tough. That's not easy access, is it? It's not easy access. I don't think I've ever been in a newsagent ever when I've seen the person in front of me with one of those magazines. Yeah? So the truth of it is, yeah, either someone that is willing to drop their, uh, they have no inhibitions, is probably like, I'll buy it for you, mate, I don't care. Yeah? Or it's very hard to access. Now... You can type in your phone, your, go on your laptop, whatever it is, and access pornography. And worse, you can actually do it now. Is, what's the new craze that's going around, the new video thing? Some, everyone's scared to say it, aren't they? Okay, all right. You something, I can't remember what it's called. But what I'm saying is, you can do it. You can access it. So once you've had the thrill of receiving it, and that's not enough anymore, what are you going to do next? This is the problem. The, the, our generation has access to too much. This generation, including my age, I still have access to it. I'm not that old, yeah? But those that are coming through our children and those that just after our, my children's ages have only known this. They've only had a mobile phone. Like, I can remember when it was like not to have a mobile phone, yeah? Some people remember what it was like not to have a phone. Not looking at you, Anne. Okay. Some people had to wind up the phone like this and talk into one end and listen on the other. Does anyone have, did anyone have that phone? No? Oh, we're not that old. Okay, okay, cool. All right. Wow, we've, okay, that's brilliant. We're getting younger. Okay, so, so the truth is, is that if we have this access, if this generation has access to all these things, then we can tell them about Jesus, and we know, don't we, church, that actually when we're talking about Jesus, this generation is willing, willing to listen. Because when we tell them about Jesus, they're like, yes, I want Jesus. But what are they wrestling with? They've got to now learn how to train their brain ridiculously. That's why people that take drugs or have an addictive nature struggle so much until that is gone. Because they're going to keep trying to fuel something here until the need for it is not there. We have access. Now, we have YouTube, TikTok. 
which means that you can become a celebrity. You know, you're not going to become world famous. I'm not going to speak death over you or anything, but you're not going to become world famous. But actually, you know, most of us don't have a lot of friends, but you can go on TikTok now and get like a few hundred likes, a few comments, yeah? And that could become the new drug, needing to be seen and, and approved and, and liked. And the problem with that is what happens with it? That becomes our addiction. Oh, how many likes have I got? Oh, I didn't get many. Maybe people hate me. I hate myself. That's what we do. Because this is what the world we're in now. And what, even worse than that, what happens when someone puts a bad comment on it? Drops you low. Gets you into some dark places, doesn't it? Why? Because we're trying to fuel a drug of something of like, I wonder how many likes I've got. Oh, I wonder what's going on. These things aren't evil if we're doing them in the right, for the right reasons. But if we're doing them to fuel the need, like it said, to have like this drug attitude to all these things now, then it will destroy us. And so what happens when you end up meeting with God and you have high moments with God, which will exist because we do get high moments with God. It's okay. It's all right. We're going to have amazing times with God, yeah? We need to learn what do we do when we're not in it. Because that's when the enemy does the most damage. I mean, we're in a culture now, I was just thinking, I'll put it up here, where people watch on TV now, like people that don't know each other, like Big Brother, for example, maybe Celebrity Love, I, I, I never watched that. But, but like how in, in a sense it's like, I hope they get together. And then I remember Big Brother, which was a big thing not that long ago, when, when people were like hoping that they would sleep together. And that was being celebrated. And it was like, yeah, by millions of people on TV. Two strangers meeting and then, like, stuff was happening on TV. And people are celebrating that. That's the world that we're in. It stimulates us and it makes us excited about things. And then we want more and we want more and we want more. Feed us more, feed us more. And the world, the world, the TVs, all that, all that they're going to keep giving it to you. Because it makes them money. And Satan is in charge of all of that stuff. So he loves it when you're involved in it. This is why drug addiction is up. Broken homes are more than ever. Sex addiction, pornography, alcohol abuse. These things are higher than ever. Uh, um, suicide rates. God showed me something within it, and this is the, 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 the lesson. So you know why now, yeah? Anyone feel a little bit better about the why? I hope you do. Because once you've got a why, then you can start looking at the how. You can start looking at like, well, what, what can I do about this? Okay? Because if we're just sat in condemnation thinking, well, I don't understand. I, I really love Jesus. Well, so did David. Okay? So it's Okay? But we want to navigate so we don't end up with lots of Bathsheba incidents in our lives, yes? Yeah? But look at what happened with David, a man after God's own heart that had ridiculous faith. Do not let the enemy get at you and say, it's because of your lack of faith. Or don't let any Christian tell you your faith isn't good enough. That's not the issue. It's not that you don't love God. It was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. He still slipped up. 
What we need to learn is how we navigate it. Now we know it can happen, what are we going to do about it? Maybe you don't want to hear this message because you like doing the things that pleasure you. Okay, and now you're like, now I know that I can avoid it. Maybe you want to walk away now before I tell you the answer. Okay, good. In 1 Kings 18 to 19, chapter 18 to 19, you can look it up yourself, but I've spoken about this so many times. We read that Elijah defeated the enemy with fire from heaven with great faith. Yeah? I mean, like, he went all in. He took out the gods of Baal and the prophets and everyone that was connected to it. He just wiped them all out. He had such faith in his God that he could set fire to the offering that he put water on it. And he said, I'm going to put water. Your God hasn't shown up. And he even says this. He says, um, you go first and let's see what your God does. So they're praying and they're praying for this fire to start from their God. And he's there. And Elijah says this to these people that could kill him. Yeah. He says, Where's your God? Is he on the toilet? That's how bold he was in his faith. And then when nothing happens, he says, right, just because I know what my God can do, put water on it. Make it wet, because then it's even more unlikely to set fire, and God sets fire to it. And when God sets fire to it, he wipes them all out after. Yeah? They take them all out. You can't question Elijah's faith, can you? I don't think we can. Even after this incident, which I'm about to explain to you, Elijah is one of the only one of two people that we're aware of that gets caught up into heaven. I don't know why God did that. But if he was that bad of a man, I'm not sure that God's going to be taking him up. It's not got anything to do with his faith. It's not got to do with the fact that he's not saved or he doesn't do enough or he doesn't love God. So if that's the case... If that's how it works, then why then did this man that loved God had absolute faith that God could do the most incredible things, and he did, saw God do it and defeat the enemy, why is it when he got a text message the next day from some, some lady saying, right, you killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you, that he went, oh no, and ran and hid in the cave? Why is that? Well, if you're in a high moment with God... Yeah, and there's the come down from that moment and then a threat comes your way instead of you thinking hang on a minute because this is what I think when I read it I think why didn't you just send fire from heaven and get her too but he wasn't in the right state anymore because the high moment wasn't existing he was in a low moment and in the low moment the enemy managed to catch him perfectly that he just suddenly overreacted in our opinion and ran and hid in a cave that doesn't even make sense because you think well I don't understand. Why is he running and hiding in the cave? And he even says, God, I don't even want to be here anymore. Just end it. How extreme is that? To be in one moment going, my God is going to set fire to this wet wood. And believing it and seeing it. To hiding in the cave saying, I don't even think I really want to even live anymore. Unless you understand that there's something that goes on up here. So if we can get hold of that, if we can get hold of that in ourselves, then we're going to have those moments on the mountain of where the enemy is going to defeat our enemies, yeah? That God's going to defeat our enemies, yeah? And we're going to see great moments. We're going to see moments where God's going to come and heal us and restore us and transform us. 
But there will be the moment we're not in that high any moment anymore. And that's okay because we're meant to have the highs. But we're also just going to be in the everyday more than in the highs. And if we don't understand this bit here, we crash and we end up in the cave. Thinking the most craziest, ludicrous thoughts. I don't even know if I want to even be here right now. That doesn't even make sense, Elijah. You were like so full of it. Why, are you, why do you want to sleep with Bathsheba? You've already got a wife that you had to get four, 200 foreskins for. And, and, but why? Because in this moment, I'm not feeding myself with the battles anymore. He's decided to stay away from the battle. And in that moment, he, all he knew was the battles. All he knew was that. That's what fueled him and filled him and made him somebody. And when he took a moment just to chill out, which is good to chill out, church, That's when the enemy got him. And that's when the enemy got Elijah. And that's when the enemy started to get the Israelites in the wilderness. They seen great highs, great moments. But then they wanted more and more and more. I want to know if God's with us. What a ridiculous statement. Of course he is. Look what he's done. But that's what the enemy can get you to think. In those down moments, in those low moments, in those quiet moments. This is what God showed me personally when I was asking him. In the Garden of, Garden of Eden, Eve and Adam had a choice, yeah? Eve was presented with an offer, offer to stimulate something that she shouldn't touch, but the offer came. She had a choice. Temptation came, the offer was placed, and the pull to have that feeling was greater, and she and Adam fell. But God said this to me, and he said it to me personally, saying it to you guys. If Eve knew what she already had, she wouldn't need more. She was married, she was in paradise. They had access to the presence of God and they ruled over the world. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of God. God has plans and purposes for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. What more do you need? What more do you need? If we can really understand this today, church, and I don't believe that we're going to change today, this is the day you can start changing. This is what God said to me. Be content in the palace. Be content in the garden. Can you learn to be content in the palace? Think about the palace. Let's just go with the palace, for example. And we can maybe replicate this a little bit with what the church is doing right now, okay? Not that long ago, seven years ago or so, this church was very empty and, and we were struggling, okay? Now we're in a moment where we're experiencing the abundance of God 
Things that seemed impossible are no longer impossible yet. But I want to let you know that the people that were around at the beginning, seven years ago, were praying to see what they see today. Yeah? They believed it. They believed it. They believed it. Yeah? So we're here seven years ago going, Lord, I believe that you can do this thing. I believe that you can do this thing. I believe that you can do this thing. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. And people step up and there's obedience that goes on. It's part of the journey. All these things come along because we're praying. And then we think, I think I'm meant, I'm meant to do something now. And we do stuff and we move and we move and we move. But when you're obtaining something that doesn't exist, yeah, and you're moving towards it and you're moving towards it, suddenly when it starts arriving, you can sometimes get to the palace, like we could say that we're in the palace now, yeah, and be in a place where we're like, I don't know what to do. Because when it was nothing, when I was just the shepherd boy looking after the sheep, yeah, it was, and my father didn't even recognize me when all the brothers got brought out. And you're under the radar and you're just moving along and you're moving along. You're like, yeah, I'll kill Goliath. You know, you're moving along. I'll play the harp for him, for sword. Da, da, da. Yeah, I'll get 104 skins for you. You know, you're moving along. But suddenly now, you're anointed as king, but you're moving along and you're moving along. And now, now you're there. This is really important for us to learn. Because look at what happened to David. He got to the palace, he had a down day. And instead of just using it, hanging out with God, dancing undignified as we know that he could, he clicked the internet on and he started looking at someone else and he tried to hook up with someone over the road. And that's what he did. And that brought such pain to that family. To the point he even had the husband murdered. So he could have her for himself. It just didn't work out great. We need to learn how to be content in the palace. And we need to learn how to be content in the garden. Because we have everything that we need. You don't need to stimulate and get more. We don't need more miracles to make us feel more. God will do what he will do. You don't need more baptisms, you don't need more salvations, you don't need more bums on seats. You just need to be obedient to God. Stick with him, stand with him, read his word, hang with him, and, and start working with him in changing this. Okay, this bit's really important, so I need to do it. I mean, it's all been really important, hopefully. Okay, but... Today, the world can access everything. You can taste, touch, everything... This generation is touching and tasting everything. The problem being when you've done it all, it no longer satisfies. And you seek the next high and the next high and the next high. And it's harder to find. It's harder to find. And when you can't find it, we end up in dark places. Because we can't find the high anymore. And we were designed by God to have the highs. It's part of God's our makeup. But we were never meant to have so much access to things that will stimulate us in the way that it is. And we've got to learn how to... Manage that. This world is depressed, full of fear, has anxiety, suicide is higher than ever because if you can't get the high, you fall hard. This is why it's not just happening in the world, it's why it can happen in the church. If we don't get this, if we don't understand this, so why you see so many leaders fall. Because I think once they've reached it, what well, they think they've reached it, I don't think God's ever finished, my personally. But if we think that we've got to the point where we thought that's enough, 
then what do we do after that? Where do we go? If we're all only relying on the feelings of what it gives us, where do we go after that? If we weren't relying on Jesus then, we're not going to be relying on him after, are we? We're going to be going into other areas and other places to get that moment and that high and that stimulation. This is what Romans 12 says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah, it's like, this is what you need to do. Not like, you can choose. This is what you're supposed to do. Bring everything to God. It's his body. Now let him have it. Yeah? And do not be conformed to this world. Yeah? Which means do not let your mind be shaped by the patterns of this world, basically. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that it is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the word transformed here in the Greek is meta, metamorpho, metamorpho, which is where the word metamorphosis comes from. Does anyone know what metamorphosis is? Can anyone give me a creature? A butterfly, yes. Which is where the word metamorphosis comes from. Metamorphosis is a biological, biological, yeah? We're in a spiritual battle. We believe that. Do we believe that when we receive Jesus in the life, the Holy Spirit came in? Yeah? Are we also flesh? Biological. This is biological. It's not spiritual, it's biological. We need the Holy Spirit to work through it with us. But it's something that's in us. It's something that's part of us. Metamorphosis is the biological process by which an animal physically develops. And we need to go through the process of metamorphosis, of allowing our minds to go from thinking the way the world thinks to the way God thinks. So when we come to Jesus, we go through the spiritual process, which is what a lot of people have experienced, and it's been incredible. We go from being lost to saved. Our souls are saved. God literally comes and lives in us. Yeah? We are awoken. We are renewed. If Satan came and did a spiritual checkup on you, yeah? If he came to check on you, Leon, he would be like, it would say, I'm washed in the blood of the lamb, clear off. That's what it would say. And he'd be like, oh, no, it's not one of mine anymore. Yeah? That's what it would say about your soul and about your spirit. Yeah? I am washed, I am saved, we're done. But fortunately, or unfortunately, this thing came along with the deal. I mean, mine's not so bad, but, you know, I've got to breathe in. Okay, but yeah, this came along with the deal. This came along with the deal. This came along with the deal. Yeah, that this is part of it. We come to the Lord, and then we read it by what Paul's saying. Now, yeah, this has happened to you. This incredible spiritual awakening. You're saved. I am saved. You are saved. We're all saved. Praise God. But now we've got to go through the fight of our lives on this earth. Of making sure that this is won by God more than it's won by Satan. And we need to learn that we need to take it through the process of metamorphosis, if you like. Of taking it through the process of being one thing and becoming another. Now, I don't know about you, but caterpillars are quite ugly. Maybe, you've got, maybe you're weird, but they're ugly. Now they turn into lava, they're even more ugly. Yeah, you're like, what is that? You're almost like, like, like someone snotted, yeah, on a tree. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And you think, what is that? What is that? How can that work? How can, how can that become anything 
How can anything good come from that? But maybe we all looked a bit like lava once. Yeah, maybe we all had, had, had like, maybe we have our ugly moments. Maybe we've, we don't always look that great going through the process. Yeah? The processes can be ugly. Does anyone go working with me on that one? Yeah, the processes can look ugly. But if we understand that the word transformed is us transforming from darkness into light. In, in thinking like the world into thinking like God. If that's what we're going through, then it's going to be a bit of an ugly process at times. Because we have to fight and we have to wrestle and we have to, 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 to get rid of some of the stuff that our flesh really likes. Yeah? And it fuels us and, it, and then we look for the highs because we've been a generation that has actually had too much access to being stimulated. So when we get the moments of being stimulated by God, when we can't get those moments, we can't find those moments for whatever reason, we then go to other areas to get stimulated. And I know that that's a struggle for some people here. Why am I feeling like this? Why do I fall? Why do I struggle? Well, now you know. Now you know. Now what you've got to do is start going through the process of allowing God to transform your mind, just like Paul is saying here in Romans. What comes out of the lava? What comes out of the ugly? Something beautiful. Something incredible. And that's what God is. He's working on his masterpiece. He's the potter and we're the clay. And he's shaping and he's molding us and he's working through us. If we're willing to go through the ugly moments, genuinely go through the ugly moments, the tough moments, and they can be like letting go, shutting things down, disconnecting with friends or deleting apps. It can be, it could be just um, saying no to alcohol or saying no to that offer when someone wants to give you some drugs. It could be whatever it might be, but if that can be ugly at times because it's not easy, you're like, ah, I don't know what to do with it. And, but if you can work through the ugly process, something beautiful comes out of it at the end. Because we've allowed God to transform our minds. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe Jesus is the solution to everything. So even though I've talked about chemicals in the brain, I'm not giving you an excuse for like to stay who you are. What I'm saying is, this is something that happens. Get used to it and accept it. Now, transform your mind with Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah? Because that's the solution. It's always going to be the solution. It's always going to be the end of any sermon. Jesus is the answer. But I want to let you know that maybe there's an older generation here that says, I don't get these words of anxiety, depression, fear. Well, they're actually real. They exist because the world, that generation has too much access to stuff. So they're just continually trying to stimulate themselves and they can find it on any different kind of app. It, it could be getting fit. It could be anything. It doesn't have to always be the most ugliest of things. But if we turn it into the drug, then it consumes us. And when we can't feed the drug, when we can't feed the beast, we crash. And in some cases, people kill themselves. Now we understand why. Let's go tell the world. Let's go tell the world. Yeah, actually, we understand what's going on. But Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. He's the only solution to it. There's nothing you can get prescribed for. There's nowhere, nothing you can go to. Nobody that can give you any levels of advice that's going to fix it for you. Only the Holy Spirit in you, working with you. And you working with God can do that. This changed my life this week as I was preparing 
Because I was starting to get condemned in my faith. I mean, I believe I'm saved. But you know, you get those days when you're like, God, I'm, am I going to make it? Is there like a, is there a sort of levels and I'm, am I going to make it? Like what's going on? Because we just get those moments, don't we? It's not because I don't believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's not because I don't believe he's done it on the cross. And it's not because I believe I, my works have to contribute. It's that sometimes we just mess up or we struggle. We end up in places and we think, I don't know. I don't think I would have been thinking like that or doing something like that if I loved Jesus that much. It's got nothing to do with how much you love him and nothing to do with your faith. It's to do with how much are you willing to allow God to transform your mind so that when you're in the palace or you're in the garden, that they're not moments to, for you to go and find something else to stimulate you. There are times where you can just get undignified and dance before the Lord, which is what David should have done. And it's what we can do too. We have everything we need right here. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've got everything you need. The Holy Spirit is in you. But if you're not going to be, this is why it's part two. If you're not going to be intentional in spending time with him, being deliberate in shutting the curtains rather than opening them and getting the binoculars out, but shutting the curtains and putting on the worship instead, because let's just get real. That temptation is not going to just disappear. You're going to have to do something that says, I can't see that. I don't want to see that. It's not going to do good for me. You've got to be intentional about it. Because your flesh is going to be like, just have a peek. Just have a look. Get the telescope up. You know? Whatever it might be. Claire might, I've got a telescope at home. Claire's be like, why is your telescope out? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway. Um, the reality of it is, is, is we have to be intentional in saying no. We have to be intentional in not allowing things that are going to come our way. We have to be intentional about deleting those apps, removing some of those friends. We have to be intentional about the, the areas of areas that we hang around with. So maybe you struggle with drink or drugs or swearing or anything like that, but you hang around with people that do those things, then you're going to carry on struggling with those things. So you might have to remove yourself from those areas of your life until maybe you're strong enough to be able to walk back into those same scenes and tell them about Jesus. But don't think you need to tell them about Jesus right now if you're not strong enough. That's not your responsibility. God's already got them. Yeah, your responsibility is to make sure you're stronger in him. So you don't have to think, oh man, if I remove myself, then I might not be able to talk. No, you need to do what's right regarding your relationship with God. This is what scripture says about our minds. As someone thinks in, within himself, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. Yeah, if we think it, if we start pursuing it, then we can become it. Yeah, so good or bad, whether it's we want to be like Jesus or we want to be like the world. You can choose which one it is, but you will become it. Okay, whatever is noble, noble whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4 verse 8. I think if you're anything like me, rather than thinking about the things of God when I should, and I struggle in those moments, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, I start to fall into a place where I start just thinking on the wrong things. That make me just feel more sad or more miserable. If you're like me, you might not be like me, but that's... But if, but if we think on the things of above, we think on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is about God, we can come out of that pit really quickly, can't we? 
And I think we know this. I'm going to share something with you. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with listening to Christian music. I've pretty much got main, mainly Christian music all on, on, on everything. If I'm ever in a bit of a pity party, the old music comes out. Just me? Okay. Okay, we'll stop there. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, listening to, I'm like, what am I doing? And if anyone wants to know if I'm in a bad place, just check what I've listened to last. And you'll be like, right, I know where, exactly where he is. But sometimes I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I just need to listen to something. And it's like, why? Why do I? Because that's what Satan wants me to do. That's going to fuel my sadness, putting on the 80s love music, you know? <laughs> I want to know what love is. You know, whatever it is, you know? Just drive it. Everyone hates me. Well, yeah, it's what you're going to feel, isn't it, if you play the wrong music? But you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. It might be some other things for you guys, but, but the reality of that, the understanding of that, that actually, like, if we put our minds on the things above, if we put our minds on him, the good stuff, we don't sit in the low stuff too long. The low moments will be there. The, the, the moments where the enemy is going to say, check out that woman over there, or, or, um, or whatever else it might be. You know, like, oh, did you hear what they said about you? Like with Elijah, ooh. And you want to be like, well, okay, I'm really sad about it now. We can have those moments because the enemy is going to come maybe at our weak moment. But what are we going to do with it? Put our minds on the things above? Renew our minds? Transform our minds? Or are we going to just fuel it? Like, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I feel really sad. I'm going to find a cave. This is why we can see sometimes some of the most amazing men and women of God used by God to some of the strangest of things. Because if you look at the makeup of the situation each time, they were probably more reliant on stimulating this than they were with hanging out with him. And we've got to change that. I have to change that about me. And I pray that for anyone else that knows that they need to do that, I pray that would be the same for you. This is a really long message. I'm at the end now. I hope this message has helped you. I hope it's articulated. I hope it's been articulated well. There's more to learn, but I hope it's enough to set you free, particularly you younger Christians. Because if you can understand this, you don't live in the condemnation the enemy wants you to be in. But you still need to be intentional about what you do with your brain. And that's the same for all of us. Because the enemy wants us to think that we're not good enough. He wants to think that we're not loving God enough, that we're, we're falling short, that we're not even saved. Because, because that's what happens when we feel like we let God down. We just think, I wouldn't have done that. Anyone ever let down their children or let down their parents? Do you not love them? You understand now? But the enemy wants you to think that, doesn't he? Like you're falling short, are you even going to make it to heaven? You might scrape in, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're in those moments, and you're like, why am I even thinking like this? Why am I in the cave thinking such weird things? But that happens because the enemy comes in, and he gets us to thinking that we're not even saved. And you are. You are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Like Anne read out earlier, it ain't our works, praise God, that has saved us. Yeah? Thank God for that. But he has put something amazing in you, 
that wants you to align with that, his spirit and your flesh to align with that. And where it doesn't, get rid of it, change it, think different. I pray that people have been set free today. So I'm just going to pray. If there are people here that don't know Jesus, I'm not sure if there is anyone here today, but if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity just to kind of make that decision in your heart right now to say, I want to be transformed. I want to start the process of saying that I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to live in the ugly anymore. I want God to transform me. Because the process of salvation is instant. That we go from being an ugly lover to a beautiful butterfly in one decision. We're changed and transformed in that moment in our spirit, in our souls. And I pray for everyone else here today. Lord, if anyone has been carrying the weight of condemnation upon them, to feel like they are, are carrying weights like anxiety or, or um, depression or even suicidal thoughts and feeling like there's something wrong with them, that there's something evil about them. Lord, I pray that today's message has explained something about what goes on in their brain. And whilst uh, there's no solution for them just to go and get and fix it right now, the answer is you, Jesus. They need to choose to renew their minds. Be transformed, church, by the renewing of your mind. And so, Lord, I just pray over every single person in this room right now, will you transform each one of us in all our different struggles. Lord, some of us might be struggling with addictions and drugs and, and, and pornography. Others might be just struggling with attention and, and wanting to feel worth. worth and it's like becoming a... a an addiction for them for others it, it may feel that they feel um, insecure and that's become their kind of their drug it, it could for others it may be that they're just spit like the Israelites they just speak rubbish all the time they're just negative and they feel like I don't know why I'm like this about myself and and Lord I pray that they would understand right now that they can be renewed transformed by the renewing of their mind and they can start to think different I can start to think different we can start to think different, God. That, Lord, that we're, what was so strong from the world, what is so available from the world that stimulates our minds, Lord, help us to get back to what it was meant to look like with you. So that, Lord, when we're stimulated, we're stimulated by the things that you lead us into rather than the things that we try to taste and see that do us no good. Lord, help us to repent before you. Help us to come before you right now and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've, I've chosen. I'm sorry for picking up those things. I'm sorry that when I'm in the palace or I'm in the garden, Lord, I think that there's, I'm still lacking when I'm not. I have everything I need. You are everything I need, Lord. You're everything I need, Lord. Help me to, I pray, Father, help people in this room to break the cycles that they're struggling with the mindsets, Lord. It's the mind, church. It's the mind that makes you pick up those things. It's your mind that starts to starts the thought process that gets you into a place that then leads to sin. It's where it in your mind is where it starts. I just pray right now, just 
learn how to take thoughts captive. Learn how to, to um, when those temptations come, when those moments come, that instead of just doing what you've always done, which is give in, you just say, no, not today. And a few no, not todays will become a lifetime. And suddenly what was consuming you and destroying you no longer has any grip over you because you did what the word of God says, which is being transformed by the renewing of your mind, allowing God to take what is a biological process and turn it from the way the world thinks, the way you've always thought, to the way he says and what his word says. So Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit upon everyone in this room right now. Just more of you. More of you. I know it's late, but if anybody is here and they feel like they've been carrying condemnation of the mistakes that they've made and feel like God maybe doesn't like them or they're not the right Christian or they maybe fall short or or that, that they've maybe they've had it even from church where people have said like, you know, you, you got, you got issues, you're this demonic, it's whatever. The reality of it is, the truth of it is, is that you're like everybody else. You're like everyone else. Everyone is fighting a battle in their mind. Don't be condemned anymore. Do not be condemned anymore. Be free. Be free. When Satan comes and said, if you, if you love God, you wouldn't have made that mistake, I pray you'll be free from that right now. You'll be free from that right now because that's not the truth. God loves you. He loves you so much. And whilst we can always go further with God and we can do better, most definitely we can do better, don't let the enemy try and rob you of your salvation. Do not let the enemy try and rob you of the joy of your salvation by making you think because you've fallen short today, you're done with God. Ah, oh, that's another one that you've done. Have you ever thought it's just because of the way you think rather than because of who you are in Christ? Today, we start renewing of our mind.